I had a bit of an epiphany when I was in a situation with a room full of people. It was quite late at night. We were around the kitchen table and I was just looking at everyone. And I just thought, no one in here is happy. Everyone's pretending to be, but everyone's here ultimately because they don't have anywhere else to go. Welcome to Who Says You Can't, a new podcast from EE that celebrates those who fly in the face of convention. I'm Rick Edwards, and over the course of this series, I'm going to be meeting with inspiring people who took You Can't Do That as a challenge and found a way to do it anyway. So let's get straight on and meet our first guest, Stephen Manderson, better known as Professor Green. Hello, Stephen. How are you? I'm All right. really w- well. Yeah, I'm really well. Yeah, are you? That's my answer and I'm sticking to it. Okay, you? you're going to... Yeah, I'm, I'm going to say I'm really well as well. Good. Getting older. We were just uh, chatting before we started recording about the fact that both of us are uh, now just riddled with ailments. It's yeah. just age, isn't it? It's just age. I remember someone explaining what getting old to me was and it was just basically waking up and there always being something wrong. Or something always hurts. Yeah. And also not being able to get up without making a noise. And I think I've ticked both those boxes. What's, what's your noise? Oh... Yeah, I do a bit of a, oh, uh, it's, it's ah. the low, left lower back for me. Yeah. But now I'm so used to it, I barely even, it doesn't particularly register. I make the sound, but just like, it's just there. It, yeah. Just background even noise. Even if it doesn't hurt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just like, oh. Um, but aside from that, you're all good? Yes, all good, all good. Busy, 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 which is what I like to be. Um, do you spend, do you have time even to think about the, I guess, the journey that you've gone on from, you know, being a battle rapper, to leading advocate for men's mental health. Mm-hmm. It's a big old journey. Yeah. Big old change. Yeah, quite a few years in between the two. Yeah. Um, I guess from battling to battling, realised I was battling with my own problems. Um, and that began a journey by way of music, though. Still, you know, it, it still was born of the music that I was making after I was battle rapping. So I went from battle rapping... Um, which probably affected some people's mental health negatively because I was really good at it. You were good. You were. (laughs) Um, And then then to writing songs where I was really open and honest about things I'd seen, things I'd... Do you like the way I go from things, which is my telephone voice, to things, which is actually just how I'd speak. Absolutely seamless, Um, But I'm quite aware of it. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, so I got just writing about things that I'd seen, things I've been through... um, things that I saw looking outward and things that I became aware of looking inward. And I started writing about all of that in my music, which I suppose was a way of me starting to... There's a type of therapy called CBT, Cognitive Behavioural Therapy. I tried it, didn't work for me. Um, Maybe I didn't give it enough time. But a cornerstone of that is journaling, which essentially from the age of 18, when I started writing stuff down as far as lyrics, I'd started doing. Without knowing you were doing it. Without knowing I was doing it. Um, and I always said, when I found the form of my form of expression, I became a lot less angry. Um, and I guess that began the journey towards me then becoming such a weird term, an advocate, a leading voice in the mental but health I don't conversation. Know what, it's, it's such a. It's, it's a I don't know what else thing, you'd say it? though. I know. Like, no, that's no, what no, you are. I know, but I just I don't know. I just I'm just Professor Green, isn't I? Or Stephen? Yeah. I don't know. It's weird, but it's something that I care about. And it, it was really like, so for me, that, that journey began when I was asked to do a radio documentary. It was after my song Read All About It, which yeah. was about my dad's suicide. 
and I was asked to do a radio documentary on suicide and I was like okay cool um yeah I'll do it if it, if it can help anyone I'd, mm-hmm. I'd be glad to and I didn't realize how affected I still was and still am by what he did um so that brought a lot to the surface and after that I was asked if I'd be up for doing a documentary on male suicide on BBC3 and everyone always says now oh was it cathartic it wasn't cathartic it was hell <laughs> I genuinely, it was hell, it was horrible. And having to to find out things that I never knew. Um, and it's something that, to be really, really, really honest and blunt, is it's not something that's easy to talk about. It's not something that's easy to talk about all the time. Because I've had to learn to disengage with my feelings when I talk about it because I can't drag myself through that constantly. And there's times where I feel like I can't, or don't want to keep doing this. And then you have something happen like what happened the other day with Keith Flint. Mm-hmm. And you just go, this conversation needs to continue because the work's not done. You know, just because I'm more clued up on it and I've helped educate a few people, like this is still a real, real, real problem. Particularly, it seems anyway, within the music industry. Yeah. Why doesn't it get talked about enough? It's not a fun conversation, is it? No. You know, and I think we all are responsible for telling the, the most common lie, which is, yeah, I'm all right. But then how many people when they say, I wish more people would just say hello, not hello, how are you? Because if you really want me to tell you how I am, then we should sit down and we should have a cup of tea and we should, you know, we should share how we both feel. Because I think that's that's quite a big question. But we will say, just as a turn of phrase to each other, hey, man, how are you? Yeah, I'm sweet. Yeah, I'm all right. But also... Are you? People are surprised when I, I did it. I just got almost, I forgot the script the other day with someone, and they caught me at a moment where I just, something had been happening, and they said, Oh, how are you? And I didn't really know them when I told them how I was, which was a, like a bit like all over the place. Yeah. And they, they just sort of, they didn't know how to respond yeah. <laughs> because they expected me to stick to the script and say, Yeah, good. How are you, man? Yeah. <laughs> and, and that's that. But it'd be great if we could get to a place where actually, you could you could sort of make a choice in those conversations where yeah. you say, okay, we either are or we aren't going to do this, and it's fine not to. Yeah. But if we are going to do it, let's do, do it, it properly. properly. Yeah. Um, but that you know, that's quite a big change, isn't it? In, it in is. the way that we interact with one another. It is, and it also means that we need to give each other more time. And it's really, I, I wrote a song the other day called "Time," um, and the lyric is, "The only thing we ever had was the only thing we'll never have." Time. Yeah. And it's, this time isn't tangible, but actually is all we is all we have. This is all we have. Everyone thinks about, you know, the beginning and the end and how relevant those moments are, but they're almost the least relevant. What matters is now. The bit you're is, in. Yeah, the bit you're in. and Because that, that is all you'll ever have. And I don't, listen, depending on your beliefs, you either will or won't have anything afterwards. But I, I can honestly say that I'm here right now, so this is what I want to focus on making the most of. Going back to, to why... Is it something that we don't talk about in music? And maybe we could broaden that to entertainment is because I come from what would be... I had a great childhood in some ways, but I come from what would be considered a rough background. Um, So I had this stupid ideal. If I became successful in music, that it would make everything all right. If I achieved financial security, which to the surprise of a lot of people, I haven't, 
yet because I consider financial security to be my mortgage paid and for me to have something in the bank for my children to fall back on, should I have them, um, to change the course of my family. Um, so, But I, I had this idea that if I became successful, that I'd be absolved of all the crap that had happened before that point. What an idiot. You know? But all of a sudden, I can't tell anyone that because I look like a whinger and a whiner mm. and I look like I'm complaining and how dare I complain because all the people that are in the situation that I was in still have the same idea that if I become successful in music, all my problems will go away or all my problems have passed will go away and they don't. You still have good and bad days. They're, if anything, if you become really popular, they're put under a microscope and that's a hell of a lot of pressure. But there is this myth, isn't there, that you see propagated a lot you know, when someone like Robin Williams dies oh, and there is just such a lot of reaction along the lines of, hang on, he was super successful yeah. and amazing at his job. How can he have had any problems? So why hasn't anyone twigged yet that success yeah. in anything, like we're, we're looking for happiness in the wrong places and happiness is another one because it's, we're sold happiness as, as, it, as though it's something that you should be all the time which I don't believe in. It's Happiness is a feeling in the same way that anger is. You shouldn't be angry all the time. You should try and not be angry at all. Uh, that's a new me. It is a new you, yeah. Um, <laughs> new, yeah. <laughs> um, it's a point, it's emotion, you know, unless, unless it extends beyond self. Like, you can be angry at social inequalities and injustices that go beyond yourself, but otherwise anger is generally just used to make people submit. You shout me, I'll shout louder. Pointless. Mm -hmm. I don't engage in that anymore i take myself out of those situations i've probably learned something in these years and i you really have yeah i know i'm like gandhi over yeah, here i've known you for a, a long time <laughs> <laughs> but um i just it's like the happiness thing you can't be happy all the time i think if anything you should have a baseline of content and then otherwise life would be linear if you were just happy life would be linear if you were just sad life would be linear if you were just any one thing life would be linear beauty of life is being able to feel all of you of these different things. Had you ever spoken about any of the stuff that you ended up talking about in those documentaries before that? Nah. Not at all? Nah. First conversation that I had with my nan about my dad's suicide, I'd, I'd never spoke to my nan about it after the day it happened until we filmed that documentary, which says everything about my household and, and many others. It's, we've, I think we've got a really bad attitude towards death here, which is we pretend it's not going to happen. And then when it does happen, we pretend that it hasn't. And that all just contributes to internalising grief and, you know, that manifests in many different ways. Do you think if the documentary things hadn't come up, you would have come to this realisation of your own accord? That was a starting point for it, but most of what I've learned in the last... And to be honest, most of my changes have occurred in the last sort of 18 months to two mm. years. And that's when I've taken time away from everything and actually just thought about what what's positive in my life, what's negative. If I, I had a bit of an epiphany when I was in a situation with a room full of people. It was quite late at night. We were around the kitchen table, um, and I was just looking at everyone, and I just thought, no one in here is happy. Everyone's pretending to be, but everyone's here ultimately because they don't have anywhere else to go. Mm. Um, so I started to remove myself from those situations as much as I could and I started to concentrate on myself and it's difficult at first because you spend time on your own and the first thing you feel is either bored or lonely or both and then you get beyond that and you realise that we're 
we there's it's, life now is just constant stimuli that we're always stimulated yeah and there's no chance to get beyond what you think is boredom which is actually where you can begin to process things you can be begin to think clearly and rationally um and you also become more creative which for me is invaluable like that's what i need to be when i've got all this other stuff cluttering my head i find it really difficult to be creative even if it is just a load of crap in my wardrobe that i need to i need to clear out you know what's the saying tidy room tidy mind yeah it's important like all those things you don't even realize they're building up and they're creating stress uh, you know and there's you know there's different types of stress mental stress physical stress emotional stress um and just trying to lessen all of those like just lesser all just you know just doing what i can in every opportunity to remove stress from my life has actually un- well unsurprisingly it's made my life less stressful what's been the reaction of people around you friends and, and colleagues and stuff to the changes that you've been making? I think, yeah, I think the changes are welcome. But, you know, I, I do miss people. But everyone comes to their own realisations at their own points. When my dad took his own life when I was 24, I'm always going to find that sad. But I can sit here and talk about it now without becoming excessively emotional because it's present. I'm not scared of it. It's not something that I've buried deep down that you've brought up, which has then sent me into, you know, I'm walking out fear or a rage or just me bursting into tears because I'm so overwhelmed by those emotions. And I realised the other day, and it sounds like a contradiction, that I'm more in touch with how I feel now than I ever have been at any given time. But because of that, I'm less emotional. Because you've taken time to process it. Yeah, and because I'm aware of how I feel. I don't ignore how I feel. So if I'm having a bad day, I'll tell Jed, my manager, or, you know, Malena, my girlfriend, or Ruri, my housemate, or Eddie, whoever I'm with. Basically what I've got now is a circle of people who I can be completely and entirely honest with all the time. I don't ever have to put a face on anything. And being able to just go, I'm having a bad... People give you the right space. They understand it. It's easier for people to understand you if you're honest with them. Um, And being, you know, engaged with how you feel, it makes life a lot easier. Don't get me wrong, there's stuff that you and I probably both have to do where we feel like crap, but we have to put a face on it, but that's the performance side of what we do. Yeah, That's part of our job. And that, I think, contributes to a lot of mental health issues in this industry. Um, but you can't get caught in a bubble. You have to have a space outside of that, like me going home to my house and having something, that, a space that I've worked my backside off for that is familiar to me and feels safe is one of the most important things I've achieved. Do you think, looking back, that those people that you can be honest with have always been there and you just didn't realise it? I think that... So for most, for the most part, yeah, some of them are new people... For a long time, I didn't really want to make new friends, not because I, I was quite guarded. Um, but then, you know, I've lost by one way or another a lot of people that I used to know because we've changed and we are different. And that doesn't mean that that takes away from the friendships that we've had. It doesn't mean that we're not friends. It just means that we're in different places. And I'm in a really good place at the moment where everyone around me is, and don't think that, what I've done is created a circle of people who will always agree with me because it's the exact opposite. If I'm being an idiot, they will tell me I'm being an idiot. And I appreciate that kind of honesty. That's important. But I've managed to build a circle of people that I love, 
who love me and there's a mutual trust and to have that support is i mean that is is i don't know how i get through life without it just a little reminder that who says you can't is brought to you by ee the uk's best network for the fifth year running they've been busy finding solutions to life's digital dilemmas want to share spare data with your family you can want to watch football on the telly for just a tenner a month you can Want me to shut up and get back to Stephen? Yes, I can. Where do you... Th- this is a difficult question, I think, but where do you think that men get the idea that they shouldn't talk about their feelings? Like, in in the first place? Because it feels quite ingrained, but when I look back, I don't, I don't remember anyone telling me that particularly. It just I think it was goes, there. Yeah, I think there was a time when it probably really did benefit us to not be as engaged with our feelings, and those times were before you or I were born. Yeah. I think they were war. Yeah. I think a lot of it stems from as far back as that. I think there's there's a lot of gender stereotypes which are outdated, which are now coming to the surface, and we're now beginning to realise, and they exist on both sides. It's not just for men. There's obviously women have had to fight for their place in this world for a long time. Yeah. I think what men are beginning to realise and what maybe makes them feel even more insecure is that they're not quite as sure of their place in the world anymore because they want to be open about how they feel. Because people just, when you associate emotion with men, it's just anger. Mm. You don't think about sadness or any... It's really just anger. That's that's kind of like what you would assume a man's go-to emotion Yeah, that, that's the kind of stereotype. Yeah, yeah, but where does that anger come from? comes from not being able to be open and honest about everything else that you feel because people think that men don't feel we still have this this still this still exists it's interesting what you're saying about anger being the dominant emotion that we associate with men because i suppose what's probably happening is men internally are having all the emotions that you would expect everyone to have and then it's just manifesting through this one channel which is anger because whatever the emotion is it comes out as anger yeah and anger is like adult fear. Yeah. Because you get to a and point... And it's useless, like you were saying. doesn't achieve anything. doesn't achieve anything. Really, really, like it doesn't. And it's taken me a long time to learn that because I grew up in a very volatile place. You know, my household was chaotic, my area more so, and you couldn't be seen as weak. And, and, and is that it? I guess that probably is the, the nub, isn't it? That men showing their feelings in the past certainly were perceived as being weak. Mm-hmm. And yet all those kind of, you know, really unhelpful phrases man up be a real man you know all that stuff yeah, yeah, yeah. don't like, be a and, girl yeah, 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 how yeah, disrespectful yeah. do you know how strong yeah. women are yeah but it, it but do you know what's funny about what you just said about man up is sometimes we actually do need to to puff our chests out and be the resilient creatures that we are because we are resilient mm-hmm. most of what gets thrown at us will get through and the only way, you know, someone said to me the other day, I don't know how I'm going to get through this. And I went, well, by going through it, because that's the only way you get through anything. And you know, how do you come out the other side? You don't just stop going through something. You have to go through it, but allow yourself that time, however long it is. Sometimes I wake up with anxiety. And if I do, I go, right, I'm going to acknowledge this for 10 minutes. I'm going to lie here, go sit with it. Don't know why I'm anxious, but I'm just going to be anxious. But in 10 minutes, I'm getting out of bed and I'm getting on with my day. Does it work for you? Yeah, it does. And the other thing that works sometimes is not giving it any attention, just getting up and getting out, getting my dog and getting outdoors. And then I bump into someone and I've had a conversation and by the time I finish talking about how cute their dog is, my anxiety's gone. <laughs> That's a good advert for having a dog, isn't it? Yeah. Have you noticed um, in, in the time that you've now 
been, and, and I guess that it probably wasn't a, a conscious decision, but when you've been out there talking about these issues, um, talking about how important it is for, for men to open up, mm. um, have you noticed a change? Can you see things starting to move? So the stuff that I have seen change is the communication that I have with people over social networks. I get a lot of private messages. Private still suggests that people aren't comfortable talking about things publicly, but that's fair because it's a public forum and they're not just talking to me out in the open like as in a room. They're talking to me in front of a, a properly public forum. Yeah. Um, but there's, I get a lot of messages from people. I mean, I've had stuff that people have literally said I've saved their lives, which is kind of is almost a burden like mm. i don't want that responsibility but wow so i got a lot of people that were messaging me saying your music's really helped me but the shift has been i get a lot of people messaging me saying i heard something that you said you know i heard a conversation that you had and you said something that made me think about everything differently i left school at 13 i'm uneducated essentially you know I, I, it's for me that's that's crazy but it, the, the other shift I've seen is going into schools and even prisons and hearing the phrase mental health. Kids use mm. the phrase mental health. Now, when I was a kid, there was no such thing. One of my concerns, though, and I spoke to Simon, who runs Calm, mm-hmm. Campaign Against Living yeah. Miserably, the, the charity that I'm a patron of, and I asked him in a conversation, do you worry about a hyper-awareness? everyone thinks that they're depressed because they're having a bad day because there's a really big difference between you know having something happen being affected by it that's rational you know like if there's you know you're you're up for a big job but you might not get it that anxiety is although kind of pointless because it's out of your control beyond a certain point if you've done everything you can do to get that position almost is a rational anxiety yeah a lot of the problems are when you worry about things that are out of your control and, you know, they're not rational. But there, there is, like, you can, you know, I, I went through a trauma recently. For me to be a little bit low after that doesn't mean I'm depressed again. No, because it makes sense. Yeah. You've been through a trauma. Exactly, right? But then, like, depression is there is no reason for it or seemingly no reason for it, but I still don't want to get out of bed and I still can't put one foot in front of the other and I can't do anything. That's depression. And I just worry that... You know, there'll be an overdiagnosis. What do you do about that? Better education. Yeah. The scary thing is that, you know, we're having to educate doctors now on how to spot depression and how to treat it because the books that they've learned from didn't educate them adequately. And problems we have in our health services, it's taken up to 18 months to get in front of someone who can actually help diagnose what you have as far as a mental health condition if you have one. You know, that's a huge problem and that's because there's such a strain on our services and we're not putting enough money into certain areas or if you look at the NHS, we're not putting enough money into any of them. But the, a change that I've noticed, in fairness, is uh, the gym that I go to, they've been they've always like had up on their screens little adverts that say, you know, go and get your, your, your health checked out and stuff. But now they have that and mental health. Yeah. That feels good because that... 
categorically didn't exist. I would say even, I mean, definitely not 10 years ago. Five years ago. Five say. years ago. Yeah, yeah. I was still going to the gym five years ago and I didn't yeah. say that. <laughs> Do you know what though? What a place to say it. Like the gym is one of the best things to help you yeah. with your mental health. Endorphins. Yeah. There's a lot that we can, you know, cold water therapy. I'm not brave enough to do a Wim Hof 20 minute ice bath yet, but I do cryotherapy. Well, that guy's naughty, so isn't he? Proper. But um, there's quite simple things that seem obvious, like get better sleep. You know, put effort into that if you have to. Like for me now, my phone goes down at eight o'clock and it stays downstairs, comes nowhere near my bedroom because I want to get some sort of, even though I'm a creative, I actually want routine in my life because Mm. I work and I think we all work better with some sort of structure. You know, get better sleep, exercise, move more, eat better. Finally, science has proven, even though in other cultures they've known this for a long time, that there's a direct link between gut health and mental health. How many people have their diet addressed before just being given a prescription? It does feel like we're still very much at the start of a long path, yeah. kind of medically, in yeah. terms of, like you say, science catching up, um, which is just, I guess we just have to, to some extent have to be patient about yeah. that. Yeah, you can't, you can't fault them for it. They, they learned from a book that yeah. had to be written a long time before they read it because everything had to be proven. Yeah. So you can't, it's not so, you can't be angry about it. No, and you can't rush it. No, but we just, I think we do all need to start taking looks at ways that we can, we can make ourselves healthier. Is there stuff now that you've learned that you would want to go back and tell your younger self? I imagine quite a lot. No. Nothing? Nothing. Just just let him learn it himself again? Not a single thing, just carry on. Just keep on going. If I had to say something, it would just be carry on, but like... People ask that quite often, and I just think if you know, if it butterfly effect, any one small thing changed, I might not be here sitting, mm. sitting with you having this conversation. It's all part of the process. Yeah, and it is a process. And if you don't enjoy the pro, you know, we all, you know, in in both of our careers, it's really easy to focus on the accolades, the awards, the numbers, the sales, and to get caught in that, and you know, money. But you, there's always more money to be earned. There's always another Brit. There's always another Mobo. There's always, you know, a higher number of album sales. And you get caught in that trap. That doesn't equal happiness. That All that stuff's a bonus. Me now is like, I don't ever get as much from, you know, I, I always like watches. Sold most of them. You get a certain amount of enjoyment out of owning things, but I get a hell of a lot more enjoyment out of spending good time with good people. Yeah. So in terms of people learning stuff for themselves and, and going through and processing, what are the best ways? What are the best ways to be alert to those things? Good question. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you know what's weird? I, I, mine's just happened through experience. There's things that have happened that have made me think about things which I could have, I could have not thought about and just carried on. But when things happen, especially now... You know, with all my uh, old age and wisdom, yeah, I do. When when stuff happens, I, I spend time. I look at things. You know, a few weeks ago, I had a really bad accident, which could have ended in something much worse. Yeah, and I went, okay, well, how do I? You know, I'm I'm extremely fortunate. I'm still mobile. I'm still active. I still have my faculties. Um, how do I make the most out of this situation? And I realised actually, it's by slowing down. And it's happened more and more as 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 more has happened, which is unfortunate. Um, but good and bad, you know, and just taking on board what has happened and taking time away from everything to to just have a little think. And sometimes just I've started writing things down. So overnight I'll write down what I did that day. I'll write down what I want to do 
the next. And in between that, sometimes there's thoughts, there's phrases, there's, you know, mm. stuff someone said that's made me think of things differently. It's, I think it's just being present. Which that, like, listen, I'm not, I, I am no Gandhi. I'm not into airy fairy stuff. You know, I hate the word wellness. Um, I, I just think it's about being present enough to be able to hear what people say, to be able to see what's going on and to take that on board and, and make your own, like form your own opinions. Think about what you're doing, your own actions, you know. Write, writing things down for me is brilliant. Like I get then, and I've been doing that since I was 18 when I started making music because I can write something down a week later, a month, a year later, I can look back on it and go, wow, I've grown because I don't feel like that anymore. Mm -hmm. Or bloody hell, I knew that then because I still agree with that firmly. And it's good to have that perspective. And what about just talking to people? Talking to people is great, but don't ever expect for anyone to have all of the answers. You know, I don't think it's fair to put that on someone else. You know, people reach out to me a lot because of the work that I do and ask me for help. It would be irresponsible for me to try and give them. I'm not a psychotherapist. So I can hear my friends. I can talk to my friends. There's places where I can give advice, not necessarily that they should follow, but I can just give them my two cents here's what i think but for the you know for the most part i think the most responsible thing to do is if someone is in real need of help is to to try and help them find that help in a place where they can actually get it been thinking a lot about my um the only bit of emotional ish advice that my dad would ever give and it's sort of become like a running joke um is he'd always say it'll be better after a good night's sleep and on the one level you kind of go that's a cop out, but at the same time, it is true, mate. I could do always feel, if I get a good night's sleep, I do feel better about stuff. Spoke, you just do. We, we spoke about it earlier, didn't yeah. we? Good sleep, eat well. You know, if you're well rested, you eat well. You you move enough, you feel a lot better. If I'm ever having a really really bad time and I feel like I'm adrift, I take my dog to the forest and just be. It sounds silly, and it does. It sounds hippie. It sounds airy fairy, but be amongst nature. It, it's not by chance that there's more shades of green than any other colour that we can recognise. It's good for your eyes. It's good for you. Like, I, I just find it... I always come back feeling recentered, like I mm. found my feet again. It's really easy to just get lost in everything. And the other thing I'd say as far as advice is write lists. Even write lists of things you need to write lists about. Write write anything down. Write how you feel down at any given moment. Just get whatever's inside out. Because once it's on a piece of paper, there's some sort of structure, irrespective of how bad your handwriting is. Mine is terrible. I left mainstream school when I was 13, albeit I was very bright. My handwriting was bad then and it's worse now because I spend most of my time typing on keyboards or phones. Mm. But just write stuff down and then, you know... There's a, a Chinese proverb, when's the best time to plant a tree? 20 years ago. When's the next best time to plant a tree? Right now. So don't worry about stuff that you could have done or should have done. You know, it's irrelevant. That moment's gone. You know, the moment in which I just said that has passed. The past occurs really quickly. So just start because that's the only thing that you actually can do and that will make you feel better about everything that you haven't done that you should be doing. Start. However small that first step is, take it one foot in front of the other. Stephen, as always, absolute pleasure talking to you. Thanks very much, man. Thank you, Baba. 
that's it for episode one of Who Says You Can't, brought to you by EE and me, Rick Edwards. Thanks very much for listening. If you've enjoyed it, why not give us a five-star review? Share, subscribe, download the other episodes in the series, including Dillis Price, who's just your regular 86-year-old, world record-holding, skydiving, motivational-speaking, charity-founding, octogenarian fashion model. Until then, thank you and goodbye. <laughs>